Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, is in the theaters. And currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it is scored by the critics 96% and by the audience 94%. We'll figure it out. Welcome back to Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Adon. Where we give you a review at least once a week. Spoiler alert. How was your theater experience? Not overly packed. About more than 50%. Like two-thirds. And everybody was pretty quiet. No one like speaking or doing anything unusual. You? It was pretty packed. Uh, went to see the on the IMAX. I went there to meet Kim mm-hmm. because of uh, how to work first and then shoot right there. And I got hit with some traffic. She was able to get there before I. But when I get to the theater, I get to my seat. Kim's not there. Even though she texted me, the movie started. I'm like, really? Because the movie was set at seven. Mm-hmm. And as we know, there's like a almost, especially in new movies and you know, premieres that there's at least 30 minutes of previews. Pretty much like 15 to 30, yeah. So when she texted me, the movie's starting, I was like, really? Because I looked up my watch, and I was like, it's only 7.15. I got five more minutes to get there. Like, I would have made it on time if it was 30 minutes. So I parked, I rushed to the theater, I get to my seat, Kim's not there. I looked at my ticket, I was like, okay, I'm in the right theater, 7 o'clock. So what does she mean by the start it? Because as I'm walking, as I'm going to my seat, on the IMAX, you know, it counts down like three, two, one, welcome to IMAX, blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm fine. What, what is she talking about? And then I'm thinking, I was like, did I pass her in the consistent stand? And then I'm texting her. I was like, where are you? Was like, she goes, I'm here. I was like, but where? I was like, and actually, I'll read it right now. Was there assigned seats? Of course there are assigned seats. There's no more. You can't do a non-assigned My theater seat. doesn't do assigned seats. Really? Yeah. Oh, my theater does. That's why I get upset when I get tickets and I find it like no one's sitting next to me and then they sit up next to me. That's understandable. But, so I asked her like on the while I'm driving, I know I shouldn't text and drive, but I do. I asked, is is it his ex-wife on the screen? Meaning Nicole Kidman? Because on AMC, Nicole Kidman coming up, blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's about to start. Anyway, she goes, huh? I go, where are you? Did you get the wrong fucking ticket? She probably did. I go, hello? I said, no, for the seven. And I'm like, so where the fuck are you? Theater 18, seat, blah, blah, blah. Nothing. Two minutes later, I see her walking up the steps. The girl was in the other theater. She was in theater 17. So wait, and so she, so she, she was watching like the earlier showing? Correct. Thinking that she was late, it like already started. And she wasn't wrong. Which, you know what? Funny enough, because like you were talking about, it takes like 15, 30 minutes for the trailers and everything to go through. So if the movie started at 6.45, hypothetically, then... She made it. Yeah. And fine. So uh, for what she was texting you, the movie started, would have been around the time that she would have sent that text. Right. But the thing is, she missed the whole beginning part. She so got to the... She showed up at the desert scene. So she... She must so have got there around the six thirty showing or six thirty five showing. Yeah, that's and funny. She, and she blames the usher. Yeah, and I'm like, you can look at your own phone on the app. It says right there. Yeah, I always look at. To be frank, I always look at the app before I even show it to the usher because I'm like, oh yeah, me too. I want to make, I want to know I'm where I'm going because sometimes the usher just scan it. They don't say a thing, right? But at the same token, like you want to, you know, if you're in a rush like I was, you're not really listening. Yeah, you just see the ticket. But anyway, that was the whole thing, and I was like, oh my god. So that's why I text you after the movie that we're going to the other theater to see the beginning that she missed. So that's why. But anyway, it, it was pretty packed. It was pretty for IMAX anyway, of course. People watched it, but they were like, not as, I guess, 
engaged as like I was for some reason on certain things. Like Kim was too. She was responsive on certain scenes. We had a couple in front of us like explaining to the other like what happened, even though the person can see what they're doing. So he's mansplaining the movie? In a way. So this is the seventh movie of the franchise. Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be a part two, which I'm annoyed by that. I just wish it was just dead reckoning. Don't tell us this part one. Don't don't let us know it's going to be a part two. Give us a cliffhanger like they did with Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Right? And with a cliffhanger. And then you don't like, holy crap, come yeah. to find out that's going to be another film. You know, things like that. I just wish they did that. This movie is a tad long. Two hours, 43 it, minutes. I felt it could have been a little shorter. Absolutely. That's, like, especially some of the chase scenes. Like It could have been cut down, but that's fine. Is directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. He's been directing the film since Rogue Nation. Yeah, about three yes. films Rogue now. Nation. Right. Because Brad Bird was number four. Before that was J.J. Abrams, John Woo, and Brian Tapama. So Christopher McQuarrie, McQuarrie, I'm sorry if I'm saying the name wrong, he also has uh, writing credits for these. Mm-hmm. As well, he's written a lot of movies where Tom Cruise has been involved in Valkyrie, Edge of Tomorrow, these as well, and some other ones. As Eric Jenderson is also a credit as writer. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise playing Ethan Hunt, Hallie Atwell. We know her as Agent Carter from the Marvel series. She looked great here. Ving Rhames uh, returns. Rhames or Roms? I I I I'll say Rhames. I Last say time I said Roms. Yeah, you did. I, I say Rhames. Simon Pegg returns. As well, Rebecca Ferguson, awesome. Vanessa Kirby, she she is up. You know who she is, though? Did you watch the series? The yeah, White Widow. I, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, The White Widow. I have watched you know the entire series. Yeah. Who is she? The White Widow? Yeah. She's the broker. Right. Do you mean, do I know who she is as a, uh, as the actress or like the... No, as the character. As the character. As the White... Um, besides, besides the obvious of being the White Widow, who is she as the White Widow? I mean... I, I missed it. Who's your one of your favorite characters from the original Mission Impossible? From the original Mission Impossible, the movie, the first one. Uh, uh, the the oh, the French dude. No, I didn't you like said him. you liked Max. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the daughter. The that's White the... Widow is the daughter of Max. Uh, and Max made the deal with uh, Hutchins. Hutchins. Kitchens. I'm butchering names. Kittridge. Kittridge. Okay, did you, you you said you saw all the movies? I saw all the movies, but obviously I don't retain names. Or basically the story. No, but I, origin, as soon as she's mentioned Max, I remember Max, and I remember the whole thing about But in Max Fallout, does. they talk like this is Max's daughter. And then here, it, it brings it back to when Kittridge is talking to her, oh my God, that's you? Last time I saw you, you were this big. On second thought, I burned through six films in under 48 hours. It blurred together. So, my defense. I lost right. track. Well, continuing on, we have Issei Morales as Gabriel. Yeah, like him. Palm uh, Clement. Oh, my God. I can't say your last name. But Mantis. It was Mantis. Just gave up and went for That's the right. Mantis. Oh, yeah. That, she played Paris. Yeah, I enjoyed her, too. Yeah, she was great. I loved, I loved her with that makeup. Oh, like the, the almost scene. almost Harley Quinn, you know, yeah. masquerade makeup like. Mm-hmm. Henry Cerny playing Kittredge. Mm-hmm. Shay Wigman, he played Briggs. We know him from Boardwork Empire. Uh, he was one of the cops in the Joker movie or Joker movie. Mm-hmm. Greg Tarzan Davis, he was the partner of uh, Shay Wigman. Frederick Schmidt as Zola, that was the White Widow's 
brother, mm-hmm. Harry Ells, from The Princess Bride. Ooh, yes. I'm surprised from about that. Dre Varma. She's, we know her from Game of Thrones series. She's one of the secretaries in the, in the, in the meeting, in the beginning. Yeah, I saw her, and, and she looked familiar, but I was like, couldn't place it. And even yeah, when you mentioned Game of Thrones, I still can't place it. She played Patrick Pascal's sister in the series. Oh. So that's her, yeah. Oh, yeah, I really didn't have her anyways. And you also have, you know, original music by uh, Lauren Balf. Well, I'm, I'm butchering these names. Yeah, and... Unlike before, in the first movie, was Danny Elfman in the first one. But mm-hmm. did you know the original score was by Lalo Schifrin? He was the original composer of the Mission Impossible theme. Okay. Which I failed to mention in the first review. Big composer, but he also was the composer for the Enter the Dragon soundtrack. Oh, not know that. So, which makes sense though, because the series and Enter the Dragon all came around the same time in the early seventies. For the series, yeah, yeah. All right. So now, your immediate initial thoughts on this? I'm not gonna say I don't feel like it's great, but it is good. There are some negatives, more like nitpicks. I do right. feel like of the bunch, it is the most unique. In what way? Not in this aspect, because we all know Tom Cruise has to do three things. He has to run, he has to climb, and he has to fall from something. That's the three consistent things that happen in every single Mission Impossible film. I'm thinking four. There might be a fourth one, but I know for... Well, the, the fourth one is it has to be some kind of car chase or a motorcycle has to be involved. That's true, too. This one, essentially, unless it's in part two, is the only one that hasn't had a betrayal in the Secret Service or agency. Or a mole. Or a mole. Or, and the main villain is tied to said mole or betrayer of, the organi- of said organization. That they have. And what's the name of this organization this time? Four was the syndicate. So in, the... in this case, it's not an organization. It's uh, it's just the AI is a is the boss. It's just the no, entity. No, 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 no. There's a there's an organization. No, there's an AI. Yes, that's that's what they want to control. They want to have the power for. Yeah, that. they call it the but entity. The entity, right? That's who Gabriel represents. Yeah, he's their he's like their avatar, if you will. Yeah, for the AI. No, it's not for the AI. It is. The How AI. is it? Okay, no, it's not. Okay, tell me why it's he has not. A key. Okay, so he's looking for a key to control the AI. He's also All been right. given orders by the AI too. How the company existed before the AI became about? He's been given orders because all the probabilities and all the uh, choices that are being made are being fed to him by the AI. The AI has been making decisions and it's manipulating everybody on a world scale. It keeps him off the radar. It makes him a living ghost. I don't agree with that, but because I, I, I do, because it makes but, no sense that no, it makes no sense that he is the only human with all that. Like, how does he get the money or other stuff like that? And on the connections, I just I, I find that. I mean, he was even hard. giving him instructions on the train. How was he giving him instructions on the train? He just knew he just knew when to get off. When when, uh, the, when she uh, who who's, who set up the, who set up the bombs on the bridge? He did. Are you freaking kidding me? No, well, he had, I mean, he the AI and him hire people. Okay, hear me out. When he was in the luggage that was transported on the train, Mantis, as you want to call her, unlocked him from, he had a gas mask on, right, mm-hmm. to give him oxygen. Mm-hmm. You don't need the AI to be operating the gas mask. It's literally on the face of the gas mask, the noise of the AI functioning. Every time you see the AI interacting with something, it emits a certain noise. That noise was evident there and is running like an eye on top of the mask. And he removes it like he was uh, waking up from a slumber. It was there feeding him information. This is why he says things are already planned. 
I'm gonna it, the key is gonna be at my feet tomorrow on the train. When he kills the guy, he he turns to her. He's like, it's been foretold. You're going to. He's a zealot at this stage. You're going to betray us because he saved you. He did this. Da 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 da. It's all been foretold to him. All right. All right. Uh, no, we'll find we'll out. Wait. Part two. <laughs> that being said, though, what Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning did right is where Uncharted did wrong, especially on the train scene. Are you talking about Uncharted the movie? Uncharted the movie, yes. Because if because watching this movie, watching this, it felt like a combination of Uncharted from the train scene, Mission Impossible, War Games, the old classic movie with Matthew Broderick. Yeah, no, I remember. So it kind of reminded me like that too, because those kind that was like AI in itself. And that was one thing I was wondering: like, no one's ever trying to talk with the AI. No, their only closest moment that they talked to oh, it was and, when they communicated to Ethan. Right, and it also reminded me a combination of Terminator and iRobot because computer there's like three basic laws, right, where a computer cannot harm man. It, it should not, but yet it, it it broke that law and it did. I mean, technically, based on the program that they were giving it, it's a spy program to manipulate and infiltrate and destroy. So like, yeah, it's like Terminator, and it just became self aware. It was implemented. It, it became sentient, but was never given those laws because its program is to do harm initially. Right. I felt like there was a moment of Goonies. Which part? When he realizes he doesn't have the key, and he goes, oh. "Ethan!" <laughs> His face and the way he yells out, "Ethan!" Well, just reminded me. Uh, the, the grandma? No, uh, the the boyfriend of the girl when she sends up her sweater. Or the, the Letterman jacket in the well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from the well or something like that? Or yeah, it was from the well. It just brought me back there the way he yelled out <laughs> Ethan. And I'm sure they were probably like, that's not our intent. But I'm like, wow, that felt Goonies. <laughs> what I did like about this, I mean, it, it is a great ride. But it did uh, do a callback to Mission Impossible 1 where he's doing the magic trick. Yes, I like that. Right? I was. I, I thought about you because I know you like that. With Rebecca Ferguson, I just, I, I knew she was, I knew she was going to die due to the new character, female lead. Of course. I didn't want her to die because she's a badass. That's a great character. character. That's the curse of the James Bond girl. Like, I mean, they might last more than one movie, but not more than two, I would say. This was the third one with her. Yeah, but she got killed off pretty early. But I'm just saying, this is the third film. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, that's true. And Um, that car chase, with which was great, because I I was like, I see what they're doing here in a sense of how can we up the stakes with the car chase by having someone tied against you and driving with one hand. Oh, I thought the car chase was actually hilarious. Oh, it was hilarious when the the yellow Fiat was into play. Oh, even before that for me. Her driving, atrocious. Oh, yeah, she was a horrible driver. But it kind of reminded me of Night and Day, the one he did with Cameron Diaz. Is on the, they that. have it on the on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought for some reason or somehow that she was going to sit on his lap while mm-hmm. he drives and try to see while she's just trying to block. I thought that because I because they did that with Nine Day where on the motorcycle Cameron Diaz is sitting in front of him while he's riding the motorcycle and she's like shooting behind him behind him. Now she did annoy the crap out of me multiple times. I can see that. I mean, yeah, I understand it's all about she's looking out for herself, but it was like Ethan is showing her multiple reasons to trust him, protecting her, getting her out of danger, saving her ass several times, yet she would not. True. Until at the like at the last moment where she wouldn't take the money. And I was mm-hmm. like And it was kinda cool well though, because they had like two references of how you become part of the IMF. Yeah. That one in the beginning with the kid giving out delivery. 
and her in a sense like we don't do it for the money we don't do it for the glory we do it because we have a purpose i would have said take the money and then take the key yeah why not i mean luther would have done it in mission impossible one we saw them in mission impossible two where he was like these are gucci's He's exactly. like Louis Vuitton. Like by, he was like by three, he was fully in the program. I, I would say one and two, he was not. He was just a outsider. No, he was part of. They were disemboweled. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. He just took him in. Yeah. Do you have a favorite moment? I thought yeah. it was extremely clever with the whole bomb sequence. I thought it was also funny that how they were trying to separate and communicate back and forth. Like we, you had a lot of stress, and we didn't want to put that on you. He's like, nuclear right. bomb. Is a need to know immediate situation, and it's just asking questions uh, from Simon Pegg's character. I like cleverness from a villain or a potential big bad guy character. And if it's an AI, it should be smarter than them. It should be more clever in that mm-hmm. sense. It doesn't have to be threatening in the sense of I'm tougher than you. I'm threatening in the sense that I'm smarter than you. So was that AI distracting Ethan? It was distracting Ethan and Luther and everybody else. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the airport. I'm talking about, I'm jumping. So I'm talking about the part where he's he has to save either Grace or... Yes, it was distracting Ethan. It hacked yeah, the system and then at mm-hmm. one point it started talking to Ethan using Simon right. Pegg's voice. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't think it's, it's AI that, and then is just has Gabriel because again, Gabriel was in existence prior to that AI. It just felt like it was more like a bunch of people, like the Illuminati, or what's that group from the from Captain America, the Avengers? that had that little secret Nick Fury was talking to those those like five people. I know, I know what you're talking about. I mean, they I obviously group. hired other goons and other workers for them. I mean, they even said it in the meeting, like. The biggest threat that is humans involving with the AI. I mean, there's actually it's actually been proven in real life. Uh, there, there was an AI that I, I heard this somewhere. And I don't know what video it was, but there was an AI that was used to hack an account. And what the AI couldn't do, it hired like Postmates or something like that, a human to do that portion. Okay. And then it was able to hack the actual account. Even though it was shot during COVID or it was shot even before COVID and then finished during COVID that what they're talking about now is what we're dealing with now with chat PT something I don't know that the, the, the AI software is out mm-hmm. that's coming to race now. I find that kind of cool that they were able to foresee that. Maybe it's a Scientology thing that Tom Cruise and his boy can foresee the future. I don't know. But I just find that very interesting that they did that Back in the day, and what we're dealing now with AI is coincidental. You quoted Terminator 2. Terminator 2, of course, the AI launches the missiles and all that, D-Day, whenever. Mm-hmm. But if you watch like Terminator, uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, right? The right. AI actually uses humans in order to gain more influence until it can get to that point. So it's like, it's just, it gets to a point where it's self-aware, yes, but it can't jump off the ship and do its own thing. It needs to manipulate others in order to gain that power. Now, for me, my one of my favorite scenes is just a small, subtle thing. It is the, the smoke bomb in the meeting. Which was cool. When, I have a problem with that. Before you go with that problem, I just liked it because it showed was a little more real, realistic in a way, like how it went off and it went off again. Like it was like a second de- uh, detonation and how the, pe- the people moved, re- uh, reacted to that. 
you see in the previews, it acted like a flashbang crossed with a, a knockout gas. Right, and I, just for me, I just liked how they gave that little extra detail on, on the people's reaction to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did like the car chase, even though it was long and it felt very Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny car chase scene. In a way, is like forever, mm-hmm. but that was stood out for me. That little cluster bomb, but also the alley fight. Oh yeah, that was Ethan, good with Ethan and with the girl with Paris. And then the goon, mm-hmm. and that kind of reminded me of another as martial as a martial arts film that I talked about before. Killer uh, Kill Zone. No, Kill Zone was like was an alley, yes, but it was a bigger alley where there's a, a, a fight scene with Gordon Liu, and the alley is wide, but then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as they progress through the alley. So their fighting styles have to change. Mm. You can't do real big kicks. You can't throw. You know, long punches. So it's like more like elbows and knee strikes and low technique strikes, like like shin strikes, mm-hmm. kicking to the shin. I mean, I can't remember the name right now, but and I couldn't remember the name back then. I want, it's not the two champions of death. No, it's something else. But anyway, so that's what kind of reminded me of. And it was really intense. I was like rooting for him. Okay, you just said you had a problem with the gas scene, the I, knockout. Only because like a, it's a government facility. I first of all, I know he's supposed to be a worker that comes in there, but he was so stiff unless that guy has like a severe rod up his keister. It was like, it was the most stiff person I've ever seen. I, the entire time I'm like, he's a, he's a double agent. He's something wrong. This right. guy doesn't seem normal. The opposite of what his character, you know, Tom Cruise is supposed to be like, I'm without any context for his character that he was portraying compared it to a flashbang. It's a loud explosion. And you're telling me in an office, where there's people, I'm sure there was people in the hallway. There was clearly people outside on the floor. It was like an office floor and it was just windows. Not a single person heard a loud bang at least once. But it could be because they're soundproof. They want no one else to hear outside of the meeting. So it could be that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, but I'm just saying that could be it. It could be a private soundproof room where any bystanders who should not be listening can't hear. True. You know, Grace, she, again, a lot of times, very annoying. Like, again, running instead of accepting the help. But when she disguises as the White Widow, mm-hmm. her brother doesn't recognize her. The eyes. Mm, exactly. Yes. Which that always Sister. reminded me, like, I, I, I never double-checked to see if they ever did contacts on Tom Cruise's eyes, like when he's portraying other characters. Well, they probably didn't have to because they probably were brown eyes. But here, mm-hmm. the White Widow has blue eyes, and Homegirl has brown eyes. And I don't think, well, I guess, yeah, she had the voice, but she, they sound alike. True. I thought the other one, I thought the White Widow had a different tone, but they did sound alike because she had the voice modulator on her mm-hmm. throat when she took off the mask. But yeah, it's like you would not like the, her own brother who looked at her at right in the face mm-hmm. would not recognize. Hey, wait a minute, why are your eyes brown? I spotted the eyes first thing. I'm like, eyes are off. Yeah, me too. Exactly mm-hmm. right. It's like if we cannot notice it, why come the brother right there can't notice it? Mm-hmm. No, especially fair. when he's especially when he's facing her as she declines the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that little thing. Like or, if, if they brought they brought attention to it, and she said, "Oh, I'm just trying something new." Blah blah. Like I. Because she met him in a different outfit, right? And so she could say, I'm trying something new to match the outfit. Something stupid like that. You're telling me you didn't have a problem with Ethan flying through the train exactly at the moment? Unscratched. He had a nick, but I mean, 
he perfectly no, got through the window. First of all, when he first landed through it, I thought he knocked through the wall, like the entire wall caved in. Uh, but then I realized it was the window. And I was like, that's very fortuitous. The guy that he bumped out, the black guy, mm-hmm. I thought he put the key in his pocket before he pulled out the gun. I, so my, my, I feel like you're right. Yeah, because he had the same hand. It's the same hand that he had to shoot with. My thing was, oh, snap. He just kicked the guy out of the train and the train, the, the, the key is in the guy's pocket. Oh, no. And then it's on the floor. It's like, how the hell did that? But no, I agree with you. That is just fortuitous that Ethan landed in the exact car and spot of where the guy's going to be. And someone's out there going to be like, the AI predicted it. I can understand if, if, if before or right behind them, you know, in, in a different window. Mm-hmm. I can understand if it was just like, mm, that's a little convenient there. Sure. But the train, when the train is dropping down, that was totally uncharted video game style. 100%. And I, and I loved it. I actually love I thought it. it was funny when she wouldn't let him go. He's like, you're going to you're gonna have to let me go. Trust me. Please trust me. And she's like, no. It's <laughs> like, do you trust no, me? Kept, no. I did think that was cute. But then again, that, just, uh, that goes with her in a sense of not trusting mm-hmm. the, per- the person who's been trying to help her since pretty much day one. So here's the thing I'm going to talk about that too, because they do comment that she's an orphan. They discuss about her past, as it were. They mm-hmm. say that she's about 30 years old, I want to say. Mm-hmm. No, I'm wrong. Sense. They don't say her age, but they do say they hired Ethan 30 years ago. Right. We don't know everything about his past, but it was about that woman. And that woman's name was mentioned to her, which was what caused her to pause. Because she kind of, yeah, a woman's name was mentioned to her when she was walking away from Gabriel. Gabriel was the one that mentioned a woman's name at the club when they were all having a meeting. So I have a theory. They're related? They could be related. Could be related. That what Grace is Ethan's daughter? Could be. That's also my other theory. Changing of the guard. After this movie, they're gonna have a whole new cast IMF members. The the one guy that's supposed to be partnering up with the guys that are capturing him, Tarzan, he is just on Ethan's sleeve. Like, this guy seems cool. <laughs> kind of attitude. Well, he's he's like thinking outside the box. Yeah, where true. Where Briggs is just following orders. Until and, the train moment. Yeah, and Degas is like, hmm. I think by the end of Two, those three mm-hmm. are going to get together and are going to be the new IMF. Her and them too. I can see that. I can see that. You know, it kind of eludes with the whole beginning. When he's well, like, you know, the think about it, when you come to think about it, the woman who got killed does look a little bit like Grace. Yeah, see? Let's put it together. Some, it's coming together. Yeah. Some, yeah. You talking to AI? No, I'm not talking to AI yet. But Is there anything else? Because, I, I mean, this is entertaining is it worth a watch? Yes. I would say so. Uh, am I going to own it? Yes, I am going to own it because I own the others. And this is, granted, I don't need to. If, if you have streaming, there's really no need to own. But you know how I am with behind the scenes. Yeah, Paramount and Plus also, has them all. Right, exactly. The only thing I have problems with like with streaming, you can't get the highest quality if you have that internet service. Yeah. That's the only thing. When you have the hard copy, when you have the discs, and you put it into your Blu-ray, you're going to have it like right there. You're always guaranteed that quality of that. Yeah, that. that's the only that's the only downside about it. But also, when you have the when you stream the movies, you're not guaranteed the behind the scenes stuff. It's true, Paramount or, don't or, give you the. Do right. they give you the. I don't think they give you the behind the scenes for Paramount. Maybe I don't know. I didn't check, but but I know like if you do like say if you buy the movie like on Vudu or movies anywhere, sometimes they do give you extra. I yeah, know they do it true. on Max and Disney Plus. I know they give extras there, mm-hmm. 
you know, we were talking about it being a little bit long. I could tell you where they probably could have clipped it. The car chase for me. The submarine for me. The beginning part? Yeah, the very, very beginning. The threat of the AI is enough for most people. And it's, an inter- it's the same concept. And that AI flexed enough throughout the entire film that yeah. you get the idea of where it is. The fact that it was yeah. in the submarine, if you left that uh, alone, that would have been enough of a hook that people would have been like, what the hell are we talking about? This was in a sub? And then... Boom. Yeah, you don't really need to see all that because it could all been explained in the briefing room. Yeah, well, that's pretty much all. I, actually, the, now, they explained it on the train by uh, Prince Bride, uh, Princess Bride. Uh, right. He recapped the entire first scene. No, you're right. That's absolutely right. Now, also the AI reminded me of Lord of the Rings. Sauron. Uh, yes. Yeah. Because it's, and, it's and an eye. Every time you see Sauron, it gives a like an ambient noise too. Right. And the eye is but always kind of, moving. Right, and then you see the you see the eye at the submarine, and then you see the eye at the club. Mm-hmm. So there goes AI. I, yeah, the AI or the or the and, what's it called? And oh. everybody is fighting to get that one material item in order to, uh, that can bestow power to rule the world. Hey, it's not Star Wars, but it's Lord it's of not Rings. Star Wars, <laughs> not Star Wars. But guess what? But guess it's Lord what? Of Rings. But guess what? The Lord of the Rings was one of the influences for Star Wars. So there's a full circle right there. It's a circle. <laughs> it's a circle. But you're right. Yes, the, the key is like the ring. Yeah. And everyone's fighting for it. You're absolutely right with that. And then but I'm saying like, she's I was going like to go into the sense. Right. But I'm going to say though, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But no, Ethan is Frodo. Is he? Yes, because he wants to destroy it. I guess. But he did not want to destroy it. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. She's Frodo and he's Sam Wise. Because Sam was actually more clutch than Frodo was. In a lot of ways, right? Frodo is the one that takes on the burden, mm-hmm. but it was it was Sam Wise that had his back, that helped him get to help him mm-hmm. push through and all this stuff. So yes, so Ethan is is Sam Wise in here, where she is reluctant Frodo. Yeah. For those listening or watching, just what do you think? The entity through that party. Well, it, well, they they were like, it's actually here, and then you see the eye here well i saw the eye before that it was it was there prior yeah like, but they emphasized it well of course mm-hmm. but i'm thinking it's like i'm hoping you're right everything was all done by AI. there's no man behind the curtain like in wizard of oz mm-hmm. and i'm thinking there is it's like the syndicate you had one guy right but they had the apostles mm-hmm. or like right? uh if we we're going to use a marvel reference more so in the comics and less in the in the movies aim okay there's like there's more questions than answers of course since they left it off as a cliffhanger, and I agree, yes, they they cut out the submarine incident because they talk about it in the briefing room, and then that train with the the chief or the direct that could have been twenty minutes probably, and still be a long ass movie. The car chase scene, which I was entertaining, but it could have been cut down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They focus a lot on his running, or, of course. Tom Cruise. Yeah, I know, but the one like on the airport where mm-hmm. he escapes off the hatch on the roof and he was running, it's like, but do you have to follow him for five minutes? So you have to show the full stride. <laughs> I understand the stride, but but I'm just saying it's like you can just show it and him run off screen. You don't have to continue showing. And how come he never sweats? If you're running that much that long, you should be drenched in sweat. I sweat when I sneeze. Three with a scoring on Rotten Tomatoes of ninety-six percent. By the critics and ninety four percent by the audience. I'll give it a solid 90, 91, maybe. It's a yeah, solid I, film. It's a solid film. Mission Impossible One and Two can be seen as two individual films. Animals, Absolutely, right. But then 
on Mission Impossible 3 is where they really start with the story in the sense of him. Syndicate. The syndicate. Yes, the syndicate is, me- is mentioned at the end of Mission Impossible 3. Okay, hold up. The fourth one is where the syndicate comes in. The name mm-hmm. of the syndicate comes in at the end when he when he sees his wife from afar going into a house. You're right. You're right. Yes, 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 yes. We were blending three and four together. Right. But the thing is, the same characters, the fiance or the wife mm-hmm. now is there. You see her again in four, you see her again in five, and you see her in six. Exactly. Do we see her? She's at the near the end of six. Right, but no, we don't see her in we don't see her in five. Excuse me. I don't think we see her in five. But definitely the thing that there's a there is yeah. a sequence. There is connection from there on into here now too. So here's a good question before we end everything. Since this is a part one of two, what would you like to see going into two? I would like to see if either one of us is correct about the AI situation. That's pretty much it. Okay. Is Rebecca Ferguson's character truly dead? I feel like she is. Yeah, I know, but she died multiple times. I would like to see Paris back. I enjoyed her character. She's a psycho. She's alive. She's alive. She is clearly alive, but she is a psycho and I love her. (laughs) Right. But no, the thing is she's alive because the guy says, I can feel a pulse. Exactly. She was the part that I enjoyed about the car chase scene. Oh, she was great. It, she reminded me of the girl from John Wick, the mute. Oh, John because Wick. she barely talked. Yeah. She's like the Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Did it. I did it. Pulled in Star Wars. We eventually got there. But no, she was like the Boba Fett. I can that. see that. Like, you don't hear much lines. She's cooler just for her actions and appearance. Like, when you mm-hmm. first see her, like, she takes over the truck and whatnot. I noticed, like, she, no. First time you see her was at the airport. Right. And then the second time you see her was right before the car chase, which I was like, oh, it's so interesting that she's like just killing people in like a kilt, like a green kilt skirt. You know what it reminded me of? A, a, a Catholic schoolgirl. It was like half Catholic schoolgirl, half like I'm a trained goth. killer. Yeah, like goth kind of thing. But then she'll like just be like, ha like this is fun. And I love yeah. watching a villain or a bad guy that looks like they're enjoying what they do. It's just something that always seems like that should be how they should, you know, a villain or bad guy should enjoy what they do. But she was a great character and I'm looking for her. I'm looking forward to her return and what she does, because now it shows like she turned to the side of good. Only That's the thing. I don't know if she's going to be truly for the side of good or is she just going to go back for revenge against Gabriel. I'd be intrigued by that. That's still a sign of good in a sense. She'll try to get revenge for what he did to her. True. Um, but here's the thing, though. Like, if he didn't say that, and if he didn't attack her, would she have saved Ethan? I don't think she would have. Luther kind of put it this way. He's like, you're being manipulated. Everybody's being manipulated to gear events to a certain outcome. Certain outcomes doesn't mean it's a finite outcome. It's like, uh, you know, how they say fate is not always a straight line. Sometimes fate only takes you to, like, the fork in the road. Decisions have to be made. Once you make that decision, that's when it makes a, another adjustment. I'm just saying, it's like, yeah, if he didn't attack her and he didn't say all that, he would still have her as an ally. But I think he, I he think did so. that. Yeah, like Luther said, you know, don't kill him because that's what they want. They have him for a reason. The ultimate good versus evil scenario. Yeah. Before we go, I did like uh, Simon Pegg's character, Benji. Yes. Where he has the less stress out of everyone. Oh, when he but yells at like, Ethan, he's like, I'm very stressed right now. I'm dealing with a lot. But yeah, the only stressful part in the sense of here was that bomb. And mm-hmm. also you had some more stress in the one out, uh, Fallout, 
where he was almost killed by Lane. Yeah. And yeah. he was choking. But for the most part, him, he's just the computer guy. Besides Luther, he's the other computer he's guy. He's the man in the chair. But so is Luther. Luther's the, more, the main one. Here's my uh, question. Um, and this is another nitpick that you just reminded me of. Speaking of Benji, when he switches to the passenger seat, puts the car to self-drive. Those mm-hmm. cars use satellites to navigate and drive. Took a chance. I'm thinking to myself, why? Why? It literally hijacked your laptop like it was nothing. You're going to do this in the car. And then on top of which, throughout the entire scene, I'm like, Benji's going to die. He's going to Like, I can see. Right. I'm seeing it in my mind's eye. It's going to take over. It's going to toss him and over. They, exactly. They took over the computer. They were changing or satellite. Even, even when Ethan was coming back at the very end when they were talking about your, your greatest weakness is your friends and it's giving that monologue all over again. I thought the car's going to turn on like uh, like Christine and it's going to run over Benji right before uh, Ethan shows up and then cuts the credits. I had Benji on a death list I and Dude, I didn't want him been, to die. Oh, that would have been awesome. It would have been crazy. Yes. Exactly. Not awesome in the sense that he dies, but in the sense of how like the stakes just kept getting higher and higher, mm-hmm. or the threat does. Took out the girl, takes out Benji. Luther disappeared. Yeah. Because Ethan's he's like, I, exactly. It'll, it'll be like a full circle to the first one. I need to be a screenwriter. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> that, yeah, if, if that was the case, oh, wow. They, they went interfering the earpieces. Mm-hmm. They kept shifting satellites to Luther off, and Luther's trying to, like, damn. I'm I mean, that's a very doable thing. Like, you can't OnStar turn on and off your car on its own, and that's I OnStar. Know. I mean, remote start would have been, like, it's pushed to start. It's electronic mm-hmm. ignition. It's a, it's, a, it's a GPS functioning device. It's a car. Literally well, could have activated and functioned And you need satellite in order to go in automatic. Exactly. So, so it Tesla's. can stay on the, the GPS on the road yeah. and, and keep that mm-hmm. traction. Yeah, it could have killed Benji. Wow. See, that would have been like another Star Wars moment where you have that going on for Ethan and Grace, all the stuff on the train. Mm-hmm. And then you have what Benji's dealing with, with the car and how to figure out how to survive. Because in Star Wars, like in, especially in Return of the Jedi, there are several stories going on. Han and Leia trying to break down the, the Force shield. Luke and Vader fighting each other, and also uh, Lando and his Bubba boy in the in the Mount Millennium Falcon with the calamaris, all that stuff. Those things are all going at one time. Yeah, that's and true. It would have been cool to have that drama there. Well, I'm liking that. And and then you just like boom, it happens. Goes to credits, and you would have been like, oh, and, and right. or give that monologue, and then goes to credits right after it happens. Like you would have everybody in the theater would be like, what just happened? That's why again. I just wish they just call it Dead Reckoning. Don't give it a part one. Just call it Dead Reckoning and then have another name for part two. Yeah. I said it earlier. I'll figure it out. Just like in Star Wars, I have a bad feeling about this. And that's how it was. If you, if you rewatch the movies, yeah, that's what he says. Figure it out. Well, he cut, yeah. even Benji says it. Like, it's like, uh, it's like that's so, all the details? That's all the plan? <laughs> he goes, the de- more Monday. details make it more complicated. Right. Or it says, or oh, it's like a basic Monday. Yeah. All right, guys. That is our review on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. What did you think about it? Let us know in the comments below. Also, if you have a movie or a show you would like us to review, either comment below or email us at tales2bros at gmail.com. Until next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Love you, bro. Love you, too.